Hello and welcome back to Sci Section. I'm your journalist Amy Stewart for the Sci Section Radio Show, broadcasted on CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. We're here today with Dr. Da Wei Zeng, a professor in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Alberta and a lead researcher on less expensive and more effective treatments for high cholesterol, which is a key contributor of heart disease to thousands of Canadians. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amy. I'm really happy to have a chance to talk about you know, the cardiovascular disease and the cholesterol metabolism and the research in my lab and how we can develop uh, new strategies to reduce the risk of this you know, high-risk disease. So to get us started, how about you give us a little history of your education and your career that brought you to where you are today? Yeah, so basically uh, I grew up in China, get my university degree and the master training in China, and then I moved to Canada. I did my PhD training in the uh, Queen's University at Kingston. So after that, I moved to the United States to start my postdoc training in a well-known lab, you know, so in UD Southwestern Medical Center, which has more like a pioneer in the work in the cholesterol metabolism. They have two Nobel laureates who won the Nobel Prize due to their discoveries in cholesterol metabolism. So I received the training there. And then in 2008, so I got a job offer from the University of Alberta. So I moved back to Canada. So I like the environment in Canada. So that's why I'm the reason I moved back to Canada to start my career in, in Canada. So I think to get started, it'd be great to give our viewers a basis of what high cholesterol means and what it's caused by and what some of the current treatments are for it right now. Yeah, when we talk about the high cholesterol, but first of all, we, we need to understand that cholesterol basically all of the human beings, all of the living uh, mammals, we need the cholesterol. So cholesterol is a basic uh, structure component of our cells, which is the, you know, the unit to make our bodies. So that's why we need the cholesterol. But however, cholesterol is also, once it's too high, it's, it's really dangerous. It's causing the damage because uh, all of the human cells, human bodies, we deliver, develop a system to keep the cholesterol. And then now the cells in the body, we can destroy the cholesterol once the cholesterol, the molecular is made. So that's why, you know, it's high. Once it's high in the body, it's, it's really dangerous. So when we talk about a high cholesterol anemia, we mainly focus on the cholesterol in the circulation, in the blood. So the cholesterol is, a, is, is a hydrophobic. It cannot be transported in the blood in a free form. So the, the body develops a mechanism. We call lipoprotein particles. So this has the proteins and put the cholesterol there to circulate in the bodies. And then, so the one of the bad things for the cardiovascular disease, we call bad cholesterol. But most people know the good cholesterol and the bad cholesterol. So we use where this cholesterol is associated with. When we talk about a bad cholesterol, it means the cholesterol is associated with one kind of the lipoprotein particle. We call lower density lipoprotein particles. So that is dangerous. Once it's high, it's built up in the blood vessel, arteries, and then eventually it causes inflammation, makes the blood vessel sleep harder and then later on. And the build up we call fatty streaks. So basically the build up plaque is a deposition of fat. So the LDL cholesterol is the main cause of that. So, and then eventually this plaque growing bigger and bigger is the easier block the blood flu or it can 
ruptured from the original original place and then caused bleeding of the blood vessel we call hemostasis so which also blocked the blood flow and caused the heart attack and the stroke and caused the disease so the main therapy retinol retinol in the in the market we focused on the reduced the levels of uh, this bad cholesterol so uh, the commonly used one is the statins People probably most people know the statins, so that there are the varied statins, the lipidors, the crestors, they all belong to the statins. So statin basically can re- enhance. So we bought, we we make the better cholesterol, but we all we also have a way or mechanism to remove this better cholesterol. So statin basically is enhanced the body to reduce uh, to 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 clear the better cholesterol. Okay, so this is a commonly used one. There are also relatively new drug is called PCS canine inhibitors. So which is really powerful to enhance the clearance of bad cholesterol from the blood. The big hurdle from this drug is very expensive because there are antibody drug or we call SRNA, the short nucleotide. Those are very expensive. Very interesting. I feel like mm-hmm. I have studied statins a fair bit in a few of my classes, so I'm sure our viewers will have heard of them before. And I feel like they're always regarded as like a cure-all for high cholesterol. But uh, as I came upon your research, uh, you're looking at different ways to target high cholesterol. Can you talk about some of the pathways and mechanisms that your lab is studying? Yes. So we talk about, you know, the clearance of a bad cholesterol. And uh, in the better cholesterol, there is a balance. It's the production and the clearance. So far, there's no good way to inhibit the productions because once we inhibit the production, then we cause the fatty liver. So the fatty is getting accumulated in the liver, which is also no good. So then we try to enhance the clearance. So that in the PCS canine, there's the two commonly used ones. So the better cholesterol, LDL cholesterol is mainly cleared by one protein we call LDL receptor. So the liver is uh, highly expressed in the liver. 75% of the bad cholesterol in the circulation in the blood is cleared by this protein. So both study and the PCS can, can increase the expression of LDL receptor. But it's well known that this receptor, this protein on the cell surface can, like uh, there's another protein, it's function like scissors. We know it can cut this protein off. Once it's cut, and then make this protein inactive. So even with the statin or PCS canine, there are more protein, and then these more protein can be cut by another protein. So we call proteinase. So previously, we don't know what is a proteinase can target this LDL uh, receptor. So the research, one of the research in our lab, we identified the protein the proteinase, which is called MT1MMP, membrane type one, metanous, uh, metanous and metanous proteins. So this protein can cut the LDL receptor. Once this receptor is cut, it becomes inactive. So the, the blood, better cholesterol, LDL cholesterol in the blood is increased, and then they can increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. So then our finding, we would like it to, you know, if we can inhibit these proteins, then theoretically we can increase the uh, LDL receptor, even in combined with treatment of statin or PCS canine inhibitor. That's indeed what we found. So that brings the promising for the future therapeutic use of this uh, protein inhibition of this protein as a treatment. That is very interesting. 
And I bet it's going to become very useful because as I was reading your lab website, people can become intolerant to statins uh, or it may no longer be effective up to a certain point. So the fact that you can combine these two therapies uh, is, is very exciting to treat these people with treatment resistant high cholesterol. Yeah, there's about 15 to 30% of patients with a statin treatment that cannot stick with statin treatment. Statin treatment is a lifetime treatment. So that's why once on your statin, you have to keep taking that. You cannot drop it. That's very impressive that you guys are coming up with a new way to deal with those problems. The next thing I wanted to talk about is your lab also studies progressive familial intrahepatic cholestasis type 2. Uh, can you give a little rundown of what that disease is and what some of your findings are? So, yes, yeah, uh, I'm uh, glad you bring it up because this is a rare disease. The public may not know it very well. And then we would like to more people to get to know it. That it is a rare disease, disease, but a really severe disease. Especially, it's, it's, a, it's a more prevalent in some certain populations or with certain ethnic backgrounds. So that disease is basically, is a, you know, with the cholesterol, cholesterol in the liver can be converted or transformed, changed to a lot of things we call bisalt. Bisalt is important for us to digest the food. Without bisalt, we cannot digest the food. We cannot absorb the lipids or nutrients. So then the liver makes this bisalt from the cholesterol, but bisalt is a detergent, cannot store in the liver. Otherwise, it's going to destroy the liver cell. So it has to be transported to a thing we call gallbladder, right? So the bisalt is the bisalt is stored in there. Wait until we take a food and then it's released the bisalt to the uh, intestine to help us to digest the food. So in then the liver has one protein we call ABCB11 to help to transport this bisalt into the gallbladder once it's made. So then if this protein is mutated, the bisalt cannot be pumped out from the liver cells and going to accumulate in the liver cells. And eventually, because this is a detergent, so eventually it's destroyed the liver cells, caused the liver failure. So unfortunately for this, uh, patients, there's no cure, not, not, not like cardiovascular disease. We have really powerful statins. For all of these patients, right now, there's no good medicines. So eventually, almost all of them end up with a liver failure and a liver transplant. So we know the liver transplant, organ transplant has a very side effect and also due to the limitations for the resource. So, and then if they don't go to that step, the patients were died at a really, really early age. So now we only have a little bit of we call approach just release the symptom so that the patient can have time to wait for the uh, liver transplant eventually. But most of the patients, unfortunately, they don't have that resource available for the liver transplant. So that's why with the lab, we also try to work on, you know, whether or not we can find a way to help the body to reduce the accumulation of this uh, bisalt in the liver, at least if, if it is not a cure, at least so the patient have a longer time to waiting for the availability of the final uh, for the liver transplantation. That's a path of research a lot of students may <clears throat> overlook when they're uh, trying to find what field to go into is a lot of people think about curing diseases, but Sometimes we need this approach as well to extend that time you have before you can get a treatment like a liver transplant or something like that. So 
that's that's very interesting and a disease I have definitely never heard of. Yeah, so that's why I'm so glad you you bring it up so that you know the public know more because it's a rare disease. So for my last question, uh, you work in a field that has a lot to do with health uh, and proper diet and exercise, like that's very commonly associated with cardiovascular disease. So what is a common misconception in your field that you would like to clear up for the general public? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. It's a really great question. So I really want to... So the one thing you, you talk about exercise, right? And the diet, yes, that is really important. We know right now we are in the area, we have plenty of sufficient food to eat, right? It's very different from um, the ancient time, but the human bodies, we are developed during this in a harsh time, the bodies are developed to store energy. So, and then, and due to the progress of the modern medicines, medications, so probably, you know, it takes much longer time for human body to develop a lot of mechanisms to fit in the current environment. So that's why the cardiovascular disease are really the risk in, in, increased dramatically because we have plenty of food, unlimited, almost unlimited intake of food if we don't control by ourselves. And people rather know in the morning, we play lots of phones, games, and lack of lots of the physical activities. That increased dramatically for the cardiovascular disease and other uh, diseases like uh, type two diabetes. So I, I have to emphasize that activity is really important. So we talk about bad cholesterol. So I wanted to bring up another concept. We also, we, you know, when you go to the uh, physician to the physical exams, we always test you the good cholesterol, HDL cholesterol. So the HDL cholesterol can protect us from the development of cardiovascular disease, especially when people have high levels of bad cholesterol. Exercise can increase the good cholesterol dramatically. So that's why we see we emphasize that exercise is important. So especially, you know, we take the Western food, which is a high cholesterol content food, and then we increase our bad cholesterol. At least one way we can do more exercise to increase the good cholesterol. You make an excellent point. I think um, it goes without saying for treating all types of diseases, but especially when it comes to uh, hypercholesterolemia, like a holistic approach uh, coming at it from like a medicinal side, treating it with like statins or uh, new treatments like the ones you're developing, uh, but also diet and exercise are all very like important facets. You can't just pick one and focus on one. You kind of have to look at the whole picture. Yeah, the other misconception I wanted to bring it up, you know, we know that women, women were uh, are protected from cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, that is true. But there is a one thing, so when we talk about women, we always, most of the time, women being is the pre-menopause women. So, you know, post menopause women, they have a similar cardiovascular risk as men. So that's why the estrogen does protect the, uh, the, 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 the development of cardiovascular disease has a protective role. So, but then when we talk about, you know, women, we people, you know, that some uh, females may say, okay, I'm a woman, so I'm protected from a cardiovascular disease. So I don't need this one. Even my cholesterol is a little bit high. Okay, I don't worry because I have a lower risk. Yes, that is true. But you have to consider about your own, you know, situations. If it is a post-menopause, then your risk is same as men. That is very interesting. I didn't know that. Um, and that is such a great example of biased medicine uh, because I feel like I have heard that women are 
at a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. But if you're not including all ages of women, then it definitely isn't a very representative statistic. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Zhang. I feel like I learned so much today. Uh, I really enjoyed having you on the show uh, to talk about all these misconceptions, but also tell us what's going on at your lab and the, the rare diseases you're researching um, and the new treatments that you're coming up with. It's uh, very exciting and I can't wait to see what your lab does in the future. Okay, thank you very much. I'm really, really happy to have a chance to talk about, you know, this disease and hopefully we can help the public to understand more what we are doing in the lab. That's it for this week of Sci Section. Make sure to check out our podcast available on global platforms for our latest interviews.